When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. everybody to wrestling omikaze episode number 52 this week i have assembled a panel an expert panel to discuss the our half year awards so basically what we're here to do this week is go through uh, many of the various wrestling observer style award categories since we're exactly halfway through the year discuss what our picks would be if the year ended today and then also maybe what we think might happen the rest of the year that will affect their decisions so it should be a fun time. I have two returning guests and two brand new guests. So we'll start with the new guests. Um, Emily, hello. Hi, um, I'm Emily Pratt, first time guest. Uh, I write for um, with Spandex on Uproxx, mainly about New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yes, Kenny Omega's favorite reporter. Kenny Omega's favorite <laughs> reporter. Fan type picks. Um, the, we also have a, a long time, I don't know, question sender question in asker. Yeah, yeah. Question asker. Skylar's here. Um, can you for, finally tell me now once and for all, how do I say your Twitter name? Oh, it's just Twitter.com. I just, okay. I don't know why. I, I think I picked it to like confuse people. Well, I don't it's, know. It's, it's funny. <laughs> it's yeah. me. Uh, also, uh, not a writer for any reputable website. Only Twitter, um, but so I, I don't know. Active in the DMs, active very in the DMs. popular personality. 
People get mad at me. That's that's my <laughs> Joe, brand. <laughs> Joe Landa thinks you like hate him. Yeah, like he Joe, thinks Joe, despise him. I think I one time said I was like Joe, this opinion was so dumb, and he just I don't know. He thinks I'm gonna, you know, attack him at maybe a week or something. I don't know. We're good now. <laughs> We're friends now. This is this bridge is gonna repair our relationship. So all right. No, don't, he never listens to the show, so don't don't count on that. Um, returning from Another Voices of Wrestling podcast, the Shake Them Ropes podcast, is Mr. Jeff Hawkins. Hello, Jeff. Yes, I watch WWE, so you don't have to. Um, <laughs> hi, I'm actually writing down everything bad you say about Joe Lanza. I'm reporting it back to him. Just <laughs> I didn't say anything bad about him. It doesn't matter. All of you are fired. now guilty, and I have taken notes. <laughs> They're going back to him. And yeah, no, happy to be here. Hi. Um, and another returning guest. I, this is what your fourth appearance, right? Yep, number four. Number four. Hello, Taylor. Hello, glad to be back and introduced in the main event uh, slot of the <laughs> guests here. Yeah. Um, did you did you see? By the way, that one of our friends from the trip we went on last year is was at the the peak of professional wrestling. YMZ. Yes, YMZ. <laughs> um, I'm hoping that show comes out um, at some point although you never know with YMZ. But uh, we did get some responses saying that um, someone going to Japan, that's their number one wish to see a YMZ because of the podcast we did. Yeah. They're, they were, we, we, we made, really made a difference in the world. That was the first time I could really say that. Yes, I'm a big influencer in the world of wrestling. So, <laughs> All right. So what we're here to do today, um, I think I already said it, but we're going to go through, eat some of the award categories, give our picks so far, discuss what might change in the future so let's start with feud of the year seems like a category to start with it's a really hard one to pick these days i mean there really aren't too many traditional feuds anymore you know wwe has them but they just kind of are a bunch of matches in a row that happen then it ends um but what what do you what are you thinking for feud of the year emily what, what are your thoughts so far yeah um my let's see i think my top three, it was really hard to pick between them. I would say right now it's probably uh, Gargano, Ciampa. Um, just it's it is more of a, a traditional feud. It's a really good story and really good matches, um, and the audience is really invested in it. Um, I think uh, the Kenny versus Cody feud is up there. Um, and maybe if it ends really well um, in San Francisco and uh, the former DIY guys kind of goes too long, then, then it could be the feud of the whole year. Um, and also the, but my like secret fave, I don't know if this is, I think the best in terms of wrestling as, popular theater was the uh lij versus suzuki goon feud with naito versus suzuki as like the main part um just because it got so much hype from everyone in the audience and i liked how much it involved like the loyalty of children to lij um and it had a lot of good matches See, if, if Naito Suzuki had been, like, 
a blow away match. I could have seen yeah. putting that on my like number one and number two, but like that match was just disappointing. So it, it, the, yeah. I think the build was so build, good that, I, yeah, I totally agree with you. like normal and it was like, Oh, well, yeah, I, mean, I, don't, I don't hate that match as much as I've seen some people hate that match, but it still clearly was disappointing. So yeah. Um, what about Skylar? What do you have for your shoot of the year? I think I already know the answer to this before I even ask you. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, that's gonna be a theme. Uh, well, no, my number three is uh, Joey Janela versus David Starr. That's a feud that's been going on since last year and beyond. It's mainly in Beyond is where it's concentrated, um, but it's actually it looks like it's concluding at American Rana, which is uh, just a few weeks from now and beyond. And they kicked off this year with a match on New Year's Day, like at midnight on New Year's Eve. And like once midnight hit, they like took a swig of champagne and then started like brawling. <laughs> it's a, it's an awesome match. It's a fans bring the weapons match. Um, it's there's some crazy crazy weapons in it. Lots of you know broken glass and weird stuff. And probably the craziest fan brought weapon I've ever seen, which is like a dildo covered in thumbtacks. <laughs> which is used to get color. Uh, it's just, it's an incredible feud. David Star they've been doing a lot of like Twitter stuff with it and uh, basically fighting over who's the ace of beyond. So that's awesome. Um, and then my second was Mihara versus uh, Mayor Fuji, just because I thought their matches to that were awesome so far. And uh, yeah, I, I think... I, I think there may be something left to that feud. I think there's a lot of intricacies that could happen with there. A lot like the All Japan versus Noah stuff. Like, I, even though it wasn't a huge storytelling feud, I thought the matches delivered. And the first one in particular, I mean, when it comes to match of the year, we'll revisit that. And then uh, number one is LA Park versus Rush, which of course hasn't had the blow off yet. Uh, you know, it's only been happening for like a month, but it's. Uh, you know, realistically, this is just another chapter of like a three-year feud at this point, where every single time the two guys are in the ring, they just only have good matches. So, I mean, that's all I sort of want in a feud is just good matches that happen repeatedly. So they're giving me that, and lots of blood, lots of mass gripping, lots of uh, profanity-laden promos. I, I don't see how you could want anything else from like a modern lucha feud. Mm, yeah. yeah, I mean, it, to me, like that's the one where I need to see the final match before I can put it on my list. But um, you know, it's even though I'm not as high on that stuff as some of you guys are, it's definitely in the running for me. Yeah, um, I mean, a lot of the stuff that ha- that people really liked this year, like uh, you know, Hiromu versus El Desperado, Jericho versus Naito. Like, there's a lot of stuff that's happening in other places of the world that is really not. I don't want to say derivative in a negative way. But it owes a lot of, um, you know, it was, owes a lot of influence directly from that type of Mexican feud. So I think people will, people who are into that stuff in Japan will sort of come to that stuff in Mexico and appreciate it, like, instantly. Mm. Um, all right, Skylar, thank you. Uh, Taylor, give me your feud of the year pick so far. Um, so I had two, pr- I had two pretty clear ones in my mind. And then the third, uh, I kind of went between um, a few so my um, number three uh, is the Bullet Club, Kenny Omega, Kota Ibushi stuff. Um, I think it's um, been exciting that it's really a story that 
I mean, it's really been an all-encompassing story that really has taken over uh, the wrestling discussion for a lot of a lot of the year, which is more rare in today's uh, wrestling world, where it seems like feuds are mostly down to just um, you know, oh, they had a couple good matches together, so it was a good feud. Um, my number two. Uh, is a multi-promotional feud, Arisa Nakajima versus Masaki Ohata from uh, Wave and Seedling. Um, I just kind of uh, downplayed this, but this is really a feud of two people who just want to beat the shit out of each other. And uh, I've enjoyed the matches they've had. Is Ohata, is Ohata one booked for the DT show? Uh, yes. Okay. Um, I knew I knew that name. From yes, in, in the um, husband and wife match. Yeah. Um, and then my number one is a little bit off the board. Uh, I don't know if people would think of this, but it was uh, from earlier in the year, the Young Bucks versus uh, Rapongi 3K. Mm. Um, I just really liked, I liked the matches, of course, and I liked the various stories that they had, you know, the stories of where, you know, the Young Bucks are kind of the kings of the junior division and you two, Rapongi 3K, are the you know, you're still young boys. And, um, you know, also the story of, you know, the back injury and people, you know, doing, you know, getting injured and being hurt from match to match. So uh, that to me is is the best one, combining both um, great matches and also um, some extra story in between and connecting the matches. Uh, Jeff, what do you got for your three picks? Uh, my number one right now, because it's probably the most fully fleshed out feud um, of the half year. I've I've really enjoyed the Gargano Champa stuff. I I think now it's almost gotten to the point where it's overstayed its welcome, and they need to get away from it, uh, lest they kind of go to the well once too often. But the stories that they've been telling in the matches, the promos they've been doing, the character development—it's something that the main roster doesn't do terribly well. But NXT has done it quite quite well, I thought. Um, my number two, I really liked in Ring of Honor, I really liked the Briscoes and Bully Ray story that they had there. I, I thought that was really well done um, in terms of, uh, you know, signaling a, a heel turn that might have happened, and then they kind of gave a nice swerve. Um, really well done. I am holding off, though, because I also agree with the point that it's a bit derivative, but I want the second half of the year. I am very much keeping my eye on Chris Jericho and Naito and also L.A. Park and Rush. I've I've enjoyed the hell out of both of these. Um, I am one of those people for a feud. I really want to feel like these two people hate each other. I want some brutality in the match. Um, I've gotten blood in both. I've gotten you know <laughs> I've gotten sheer violence in both, and I've just loved both of them. I want to see them finish strong. I'm fairly certain L.A. Park Rush is going to finish very very strong. Jericho Naito jury still out, but that that first match and the and the build to that were both excellent. Yeah, so I I agree with a lot of that. I'm like Naito, Jericho, and Park Rush are my two big open questions right now. Where I really want to see where they go from here before I put them on the list, but they're both very high up there. Um, so my top three, I have Naito Taichi in number number three, God. which is like the most me pick ever. I know, but like I loved all the stuff they did. Um, you know, leading into Taichi's produce show, I loved all the back and forth promos about um, basically calling each other lazy. And I thought they really over-delivered in their match at the anniversary show. Um, I don't see this one finishing in my top three at the end of the year, but, you know, it's my third favorite few of the year right now. 
Um, I have Momo Watanabe and Io Shirai in number two. Um, I really dig all that, you know, junior trying to fight her senior stuff in when it comes to Puro. And I thought both matches they had were really fantastic. Um, I like the first one better, actually, where Io won. But um, I thought that was a really good feud. And then my number one is Hiromu and Desperado. Um, I just thought the two of them, you know, they put on a f- fucking fantastic match at the Best of Super Junior. The tag stuff was excellent. That's the, it started out with, and you know all the promos are really good, and you know ended with a good match for the junior title. So that to me right now by far is my favorite feud of the year. So we'll see if anything can knock that off in the second half. Um, I didn't vote for Champa and Gargano just because I thought. I mean, first of all, I don't like the matches as much as it, pretty much everybody else seems to. No, they but... suck. <laughs> I, there, there's a there's a contingent of people who do not like those matches at all, and I'm fond of them. I, I'm not a fan, really, and also I just think it's gone... It, it's classic WWE where it's just gone on way too long. So, um, all right. Let's see here. Let's move on to... Uh, let's do Tag Team of the Year next. Um, why don't we start with you this time, Skyler? Give me your Tag Team of the Year, Pax. Right. Um, all right, well, number three, which I'm sure they will be on lots of lists, is for Pongi 3K. Um I think I don't have the Bucks on my list. Rapongi 3K, I think I'm, you know, fairly or not, I'm sort of giving them the credit for those early matches because I think they're just a little bit newer. Um, you know, they're pulling out stuff that we haven't necessarily necessarily seen yet. And um, I don't know, I'm just more into them as characters right now. And I think their Bucks feud just way, way over-delivered. <laughs> like, every single match was awesome. I mean, the new beginning match was, like, so much better than it needed to be. Yeah. I mean, I think was even better than their Wrestle Kingdom match. And, I, yeah, I think everything they've done this year has been pretty rad. Um, uh, num- my number two is Violent Giants, <laughs> which, first of all, probably the greatest tag team name in the world right now. Um, but also, I think they, they start the year super hot, um, as still is, like, also similar to Rapongi, like a newer team. Um, you know, they still have lots of fresh matchups in all Japan. They still do lots of new things. Um, I've been pretty much into like everything they've done this year. And especially like the tag, the ver- their very first match this year, I guess is their, the one on the third of yep, January. That, that was on my match list for a long time. It's awesome. Really. It's, yep. it's an incredible match. <laughs> um, and my number one, this, so this is kind of cheating, but I didn't ask beforehand. I just put them on my list is uh the dinamitas which is a trio technically no i because i let people do that last year in the in the awards too so uh yeah i can't overstate that these like they're all like young guys and uh (laughs) they're the best act in mexico like easily (laughs) uh there's all of them are great if i was doing like a top 10 list of like the best wrestlers i i might have all three of them in the top 10 um they're just Every single match of them is dynamic and worth watching, and they play their parts really well, and they're rudos, but they, you know, can work the crowd, and um, I think that they're on a trajectory that is pretty alarming for Lucha, in the sense that it could be, like, five years from now. If they're still going at this rate, they'll be, like, one of the best trios ever. They've won, like, every single belt in Mexico. (laughs) Like, they're just awesome. Uh, and I feel like people, even Lucha fans, don't really talk about them enough. They just tune in on Friday, see them have an awesome match, and then tune out, and sort of taken for granted at this point. Yeah, so. that's fair. 
Um, Emily, give me your top three for Tag Team of the Year. Oh, I didn't even do a top three for this one. I just uh, thought the number one tag team of the year is the Golden Lovers um, because uh, they haven't had that many matches together, but they've all been really good. Um, Mm -hmm. It's the story with them is such an amazing payoff to just years and years of uh, stuff and um, very meaningful to people um, who maybe haven't had a story in wrestling um, really connect in that way. It's like a rare, really good uh, romantic storyline and uh, has, I guess, dominated a lot of discussion about wrestling and I know it's um, gotten people who were kind of not into wrestling for a while because they just got sick of it uh, to get uh, back into it this year. So uh, it's the Golden Lovers and there are lots of other really good tag teams, um, but I didn't um, connect them to a top three. That's fair. Um, do you do you worry at all about the end, the rest of the year now with since Kenny Singles champion, or do you think they've done enough? You know, you've just in this half year to to lock it up. Um, I think they could definitely. Yeah, they might just be a first half of the year thing. I don't really know what they're gonna do with them. Um, it might be something where they don't have a. I mean, maybe their story won't really be together for the rest of the year, and it'll pick up in the future um, and it'll be more of a long-term thing or maybe they will go into a feud with each other. I don't know. Um, but it can easily, I think uh, also the, a lot of uh, team tag teams that were really good in like WWE last year, haven't had a ton to do yet. Cause they're kind of like reconfiguring their tag division. Yeah. Um, it's been really bad. I mean, that was like the one strength they had last year, and it's been pretty awful this year. Yeah, they yeah stuff's been moved around a lot. So I think a lot of yeah other teams could get stronger in the second half of the year. Also, all right, uh, Jeff, if you got any picks for tag team of the year, go ahead and give them to me. I'm going to give the Young Bucks their due. I have never been huge fans of theirs because, you know, a lot of the shows I've seen them live in were basically suck it and super kick fests. Um, But watching them this year and no matter what federation I've watched them in, I've always been engaged. I mean, even so far as this past weekend against the Briscoes, they had a great match. So, you know what? They've been the most engaging tag team. All their matches I've seen have been very good to damn good. Um this is the year I'm picking the Bucks, and I think I think even their ascent into the heavyweight tag division in New Japan has really, really served them in some ways. I know other people will push back against that. That's fine. Uh, to me, the state of tag team wrestling this year stinks. It really does. It it just stinks on ice. So I'm gonna go look up some violent giants matches because I've never <laughs> seen them, and I'm not an all Japan fan, but I am down for some all Japan old school big guys beating the crap out of each other like the early 90s tag team uh well, my number two um, in a, up your alley then. okay <laughs> good good i am down for that then uh my number two um despite being in a very crappy company that undervalues tag team wrestling i think the 
Usos have had a pretty good year. Um, all things considered, even though they don't get to shine as much as they should, the matches where they've had to shine were very, very good, I think. And my number three, I am just enjoying the hell out of Minoru Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. And I, I've never been the biggest Zack Sabre Jr. fan in the world, but I like watching heel Zack Sabre Jr. work with Minoru Suzuki um, against members of Chaos, um, etc. I'm going to keep an eye on them for the uh, second half of the year. Um, I expect that they'll Zach will probably be broken off to be solo sooner than rather than later. But uh, every match I've seen those two in are, are, is pretty darn good. All right, cool. Taylor, what are your picks like? Uh, so my number three pick is uh, Evil and Sonata. I thought they've uh, had some really good matches this year, but also I think they really stabilized the New Japan tag division, which I think was among the worst tag divisions in the world. The heavyweight, uh, right? Yeah, the heavyweight division. Um, the last, you know, last year and maybe even some of the year before. Uh, my number two is Kazusada Higuchi and Daisuke Sakamoto from DDT. Yep, good pick. Um, they have really had some exceptional matches. Um, they've been in the main event of the uh, Manji Manji TV show a lot and I think have really anchored that uh, show and made it... Uh, I know we're not talking about this um, during the show, but my favorite uh, weekly TV show. Oh, yeah. I'm going to finally vote in that category for the first time. <laughs> um, in wrestling now, of course, uh, spoilers, they lost the titles uh, last week. So they might quickly plummet out of this list. But for what they've done in the first half, uh, they've had a very strong first half of the year. And uh, my number one, I have to agree with Jeff, uh, the Young Bucks. They have really had some exceptional matches um, in a variety of places. Um, New Japan um, in Japan and New Japan in America. Those aren't two separate companies, but you know what I mean. And uh, they've had a lot of really strong Ring of Honor stuff as well. So uh, they, to me, were an easy um, number one pick. I know that you know they tend to get votes every year just because they're a tag team that everyone knows. Um, but I think that this year they they really deserve that number one spot. All right. So for me, um, this was a really hard category, actually. And there's a lot of teams you guys mentioned that are, like, really close to my list. Um, I'm just going to name some of the ones I didn't put on my list really quickly. Golden Lovers, I just think they don't have enough matches. But, um, you know, the ones they've had have been really good. And I, I'm just not sure. If they had, like, you know, another, like, solid month or something as a team, I can see putting them on here, but like I'm afraid they're not going to get to that in the second half now. But for first half, they would just miss. Young Bucks, um, if I watched Ring of Honor, I probably would have them higher, but I just I don't watch Ring of Honor at all. So, um, you know, the, the, what they've done in New Japan is great, but I just don't, uh, not quite enough to put them in my top three. And Higuchi and Sekimoto, re- the, that was like the hardest cut between them and who I put in the they, they, they were my last cut, too. Yeah. They were. I mean, they're, Fantastic team in the first half. I'm, they're not going. They're probably not going to make my list at the end of the year anyway because I I don't even know if they're going to have any more matches as a team. Honestly, now they've lost the titles, but I, I wish they would put them back together because they were awesome. Uh, my top three. I, I have Violence Giants in third. Um, I just think you know, like everybody else said, they've been fantastic, and you know, they just they go together so well that it almost makes you amazed. It took so long for them to become a tag team. Um, Evil and Sonata number two. Just like Taylor said, they they turned around the New Japan Heavyweight Tag Division, which was really awful before this year. Um, I really enjoyed the build to the um, 
to the rematch with uh, Killer Elite Squad, and I thought they had a good match, um, a very good match with the Bucks when they dropped the titles. Probably we'll have another good one with the Bucks um, next Saturday. I worry a little bit about their second half output. I, I kind of feel like they could lose on Saturday, and that kind of could be the end of it for a while. Um, but we'll have to see, I guess. And the number one to me is Rapungi 3K. I, I don't. I actually don't even think it's close. I think they're they're just they've had such a fantastic half year. Um, you know, the Young Bucks feud was awesome. The Canamar Desperado feud was awesome. Uh, they just they've killed it. Everything every single thing they've done so far this half year. Uh, the second half, you know, we'll see what they're what they're doing. I assume they're gonna get another rematch, so they might be in there. And Canabar Desperado is another team that I could really see making up ground in the second half. They had a they had a very strong first half and they're, they're right there for me too. So we'll see what happens there. All right, let's do best major show. Um this time we'll start with you, Taylor. Give me your best major show picks. All right, best major show. I'm looking at my list and trying to find <laughs> where I put where did I oh here we go. Uh, so my number three uh, pick is the New Japan Best of the Super Juniors. Um, I don't remember what the actual name of the show is, but the block finals, not the finals, finals, but um, the day where they had eight block matches at Korokin, the day before Hiromu and uh, Ishimori. Um, I just thought that it was littered with really great matches. Everyone really brought it. It was exciting to see eight singles matches. Um, the crowd was into it. Uh, so that's my number three. Number two is NXT TakeOver New Orleans. Um, of course, I always think NXT kind of has an um, advantage having only five matches um, on each show. It's a bit easier to deliver that way, but I thought every single match on that card delivered uh, very strongly. And my show of the year is New Japan Dominion. Just a cornucopia of great matches. It's a great uh, word, cornucopia. Which is really, that's the main thing I look for in show of the year. Some great, obviously some great stories um, headlined, obviously by Okada and Omega. So that was my clear uh, number one pick. All right, um, go, Skyler. What's your what are your ma- or major show of the year picks look like? Uh, all right, so my number three is Takeover New Orleans, which I suspect will be on lots of lists. Um, and I, like I said before, I don't. I'm not really into the Gargano Champa stuff. It has the similar problem that I have with some New Japan main events. Uh, which is that it leans a touch on the drama where it's like zooming in on the faces and very, very overdramatic stuff. This is not exactly my taste. See, but, Scott, I, I hear this comparison made a lot, but like to me, like they do it so much in those Gargano Ciampa matches that even for someone who generally likes the New Japan main events, it's too much. Well, I don't I'm, know. I imagine like, imagine like, Kenny Omega in like uh, NXT. Oh, I know it's gonna be. It's gonna like zoom in on his face and his hands for like a, a solid hour straight in the show. It's gonna be like. Uh, but yeah, but the rest of the show ruled. I mean, the ladder match. I know said that's not everyone's style, but this is pretty much like the platonic ideal of what that type of match should look like. It was pretty much perfect, and it sort of made guys like Lars Sullivan into like NXT stars. Weirdly, many people forget that he was basically a stiff before that. And then he was in a title match, like the, you know, the next takeover. Um, and I think the Shayna Baszler and Moon match, this was the best of their feud. Um, 
the tag match that ended with uh, Roderick Strong joining Undisputed Era. Awesome match, awesome angle, super hot. The crowd was going berserk. The crowd was hot for this entire show, which really helped it a lot, um, even more so than some of the other NXT takeovers. And really, for me, like my main event, I mean, I guess I'm plugging Lucha guys this entire time, but Alistair Black versus Cien Almas, I think that's, I think this match is almost as good, if not better, than the Gargano Almas match. I think this match is awesome, and people really just don't talk about it at all, I guess, because it's during Mania Week and it's busy and stuff, but this match is like super hard hitting. I like it a guys. lot better than the Dark Shop. Yeah, I mean, this match, the guys are just beating the shit out of each other. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Yeah, I mean, almost for me is, I guess, what people think of like Rollins or Gargano or Dunn or whoever. Like, he is the guy who in WWE, he's the guy who's like, even though I'm not watching, I will like watch whatever he's doing because he's so good at everything the character work, the promos, ring work this year has been out of this world. So, um, yeah, that's a good event. Uh, my second is uh, DDT Judgment, which mm. was funny. It's I, it's not as good as last year's. So, yeah. um, but last year's was like probably probably the, one of my favorite Japanese wrestling shows ever. Yep, <laughs> I mean, it was like top to bottom incredible. And so this one was still very good. And I like to reward companies that put on a great show in a big spot. So like for their biggest show of the year, they put together a great top to bottom show that had everything you want. Um, and not only the, you know, the tactile match, incredible underrated match, the main event, awesome match, but even just stuff like the, you know, the trios match with that was built really around like the Sakaguchi and Kota Umeda feud. Like that match is like sort of a under the radar match of the year level. Like, I mean, it, I, there's so much on the show worth watching. Yoshiko with the bear. Yes, I, I, I showed that at an anime con recently and it fucking killed. Yeah. Like everybody, like the entire room was like just dying. Yeah, so. the, sh- the show is just so, so loaded top to bottom. There's so much on it. And it's, it, you know, it is long, but I think it just like... Yeah, I never felt like it overstayed its welcome. Yeah. Even the comedy stuff went well. The Jiro like yes. comedy segment where yes. he's like avoiding the traps is awesome. It was and, so awesome. Yeah, and you know, DDT has been sort of hit or miss for me uh, this year, but I think Dang. this show really captured like everything there is to like about DDT, and it's awesome. Uh, and then my number one is Evolve One Hundred Two. Um, which is also, it's sort of like their de facto biggest show because the WWE Super Show is more of like an exhibition. But um, I know it's just a number, so you don't remember what's on it. But this one had AR Fox versus Will Ospreay, um, Darby Allen versus Keith Lee, uh, Ring Comp, so Timothy Thatcher and Walter against uh, Minori Sawa and Daisuke Sekimoto, and then Zack Sabre Jr. versus Riddle. So <laughs> incredible card, every single match delivered. <laughs> um top to bottom just like very very good wrestling matches um which is just sort of what i want in a good show so if you just have lots of good wrestling matches back to back i'll probably watch i like the show yeah um yeah i think the evolve the the mania week shows in general did really got a shot in the arm this year with saber jr leaving so he's putting together all these great matches and also having Sawa and Sekimoto working multiple match like matches every single show, like totally got me in. All right. 
Um, Emily, what did you think for best major show? I thought for best major show, um, the third best, I would say, was I think Wrestle Kingdom 12. No, some of the matches were like two days afterwards. People were like, oh my gosh, this is the best. And now I'm like, oh, I actually care more about matches that I wasn't as hyped about while watching the show now. There are some that I've rewatched that I didn't expect. Those would be the ones that I rewatched from that show. Um, but I thought it was uh, great. And um, even though the main event I watched live and it was like four in the morning um or maybe because i watched it at like four in the morning was i was just emotionally devastated by night yep. losing i was, uh, like i i i would love to put this on my list but like i cannot put the show where like ghetto ripped into my chest and took out my beating yeah. heart and just like stomped on it i cannot put that in my top three so, yeah, that, i'm not i'm not, I'm not biased <laughs> enough to do that I like I that is the hardest I've I've I don't really like mark out about booking but that at the end of that I was so mad and then when um even though really looking back I should never have expected like Sonata to beat Okada when Okada beat him at um New Beginning in Osaka I was oh my gosh I mean now I'm back on on the Okada support train but I was off for a while he looks he looks Better and better every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, number two, NXT TakeOver New Orleans for pretty much the exact reasons that people already talked about. Uh, and number one, I think I do have recency bias for Dominion, but I got to go with Dominion. Um, really good quality, a variety of wrestling matches. Um, with really good singles matches mixed up with um, the tag matches like the American Nightmare team versus international dream dad team match. Um, and I was engaged in a wrestling match that went on for over an hour, which I'm not like a big uh, super long wrestling match enthusiast, but I was super engaged in that. So that was extra impressive. Timmy. All right. Uh, Jeff, what do you got for best major show? All right. What's the calendar? Is it December now or is it January? January Okay. So I wanted to, I wanted to give a shout out to rise six brutality, but that was December 1st. Um, my, my first two shows are biased because I was there live. Uh, number three, uh, was the Royal rumble. I had never been to a rumble. Um, I found it just a fun, fun, engaging time that didn't seem to drag. Uh, it was at a good moment. rumble finally. For that like the too, like the women's rumble. The women's rumble was engaging as hell too. I thought. I mean, especially the the you know the past names coming in and not terribly embarrassing any of themselves. Maybe with the possible exception of Kelly Kelly, but you know the whole night was a lot of fun. It went by quick as opposed to other slogs of shows like WrestleMania and stuff. It, I mean, everything there was well booked. It didn't overstay its welcome and, and left. Um. My number two show, NXT New Orleans, that thing was insane on so many levels. The, the latter match was, it was a mess, but it was a spectacle of a mess that you would just watch and go, these guys are just killing themselves over it. And, and you know, the, the, I agree, the, the almost Alistair Black match has been kind of shaded because of this latter match. It was, it was damn good. 
And look, I I disagree. I love the Gargano Champa feud. Um, it should have ended here, I think. But uh, overall, just just a great great card. I thought, and my number one is Dominion. I mean, so, it it says a lot about me and my New Japan fandom because mine is more of a casual fandom where. I will generally hate the first half of new Japan shows until the intermission. And in this one, I was going, did I miss the intermission? Because it didn't happen. And every match on here, on here was different. It was a little bit like the old star where you get like a hodgepodge of various different kinds of matches all in one place. I don't think there's going to be a better card this year. I'll, I'll take, make that statement. Um, top to bottom, best card of the year so far. And I don't think it'll be topped. So, so my my top two, I don't think either one are going to be top. But my number three, I could definitely easily see something top this. This is on here for very sentimental reasons, and I don't think that many other people agree with me, judging by its average three point five rating on page <laughs> match. But I'm going with the All Japan uh, Saitama show from March twenty fifth. Um, I really enjoyed the entire show from the, especially from like the uh, the car- champion carnival preview tag which had Yoshitatsu and Yuji Hino against Kai and Nomura. That only went like five minutes, but it was such a cool introduction to Hino. And then we had the that crazy six-man tag with Kazuyuki Fujita coming in with like Kendo Kashin and Osawa Rongai. Like that is so up my alley that like you know, I had to, that gave it a huge boost just for that. Um, and then again, up my alley again, the all-Asia tag title match. You have Nagata and Akiyama. You have Wild Child in there, Manabu Nakanishi in a in a real fucking match in 2018. Um, I really like the junior title match with Aoki and Kondo. The the World Tag Title match was a little eh. The big guns against James and Sai. Then the main event I thought was awesome with Miyahara and Doring. So that's my number three pick. It really easily could get beaten by something else by the end of the year. But I re- I love that show and I wanted to give it a shout out. Um, number two, I have Dominion. Um, you know, again, everybody else kind of said everything already, but just a show that delivered, um, even in places where I, I wasn't really sure what to expect, like Naito Jericho was a lot better than I expected going in. Um, the tag title match was better than I expected going in, you know, just a lot of good stuff. And Judgment is my number one because, um, you know, just an incredible, um, just mix of stuff on that show. All the comedy was good. All the serious stuff was really good. Um, I don't I don't see either show being beaten, but, you know, you never know, I guess. All right. So since we did best major show, let's do worst major show. Um, do you have if you only have one pick for this, it's fine, because like to me, the, the pick for this is so fucking obvious that like I can't really see bother even rating anything else. But um, why don't you start, Jeff? What do you, do you have anything for worst major show? What's yours? Uh, <laughs> mine, mine is WWE Backlash May 6th at the Prudential Okay. Wow. Uh, Backlash. I, I had to flip a coin between Backlash and Elimination Chamber because uh-huh. I, both of them were were bad. See, in see, my Elimination, opinion. Chamber, Elimination Chamber. I didn't hate as much as the women's match uh, was bad on Elimination. Yeah, I liked the women's chamber a lot, and I liked uh, Oscar and what's her name, a lot, and Nia Jax a lot. So all right, fine. It's- I'm prone to peer pressure. I'll say Backlash as well then. <laughs> Backlash had one good match, and the entire rest of the card was fucking hard. just horrendous. Yeah, it, it was. I, see, I, I I didn't go back and watch any of these shows to see how bad I hated them, so uh, were, I can't remember. Just... I just have various levels of, of anger and snark towards all of them, so uh, you know what? Backlash is a damn good choice. Let's stick I mean, it. I will say Backlash was so bad 
in like a, it was almost like in a funny way. So like I was just sitting there laughing at how bad it was. So maybe it should get, I don't know if it should get credit for that or what, but yeah, Backlash is to me is clearly the worst major show. Uh, what do you have, Emily? Do you have any? Oh, for me, it's hands down the greatest Royal Rumble. Ooh, yes. Oh, yes. That's a good one. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> See, See, I, I, I want to say, first of all, I did not watch that show. So <laughs> maybe it was worse. I just, I refused it, to watch it. It, it was worse. I think, um, I know a lot of people didn't watch it. I would say uh, at Backlash, everybody was trying hard. Uh, Greatest Royal Rumble was very like house showy in terms of motivation for the wrestling. I was just kind of in a pointless <laughs> vacuum of, you could tell nothing big was going to happen, but they were acting like big stuff was going to happen. Um, there was Saudi Arabian government propaganda in the show. So yeah. that kind of, although the actual greatest Royal Rumble, like it was, it was pretty dumb, but I did enjoy it going in with like low expectations. Cause a lot of the goofy stuff happened um, that I enjoyed, but the rest of the show was uh, pretty bad and not like pay-per-view quality for any company um, and I have the worst finish of the year probably that Brock Reigns finish yeah that was <laughs> really weird um <laughs> I think that like the rest of that match I you know actually that is a match maybe where people were trying more than the other matches but the finish was so confusing and bad so uh, Triple H was pretty good but that was about it for me on that that show <laughs> Yeah, I actually, I for a while, I thought that the casket match was not that bad, but it was really just because I liked how scared Rusev looked at the casket. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, wait, that, that was bad. I just really liked that one moment. All right, so Taylor, I think you agreed. So why don't I go to you next? What do you have for Worst Major Show? So I, had, I picked three. Um, so three was Backlash. That was my number three. Um, my number two was not a WWE show. It was uh, Triple A's uh, Gira de, de Titans. I am not um, alone in that. Um, <laughs> which actually started out the first like two matches or three matches were like fairly good. And then the rest of the show went off the rails in a way that I could not even believe. Um, just Vampiro being involved and people running in and there were 10 refs and there, you know, a cage match where people are just walking into the cage. And I just thought it was terrible. And my number one, I agreed with Emily, was Greatest Royal Rumble. Not only did I not enjoy the show, uh, not only did it have the Saudi um, aspect to it, it also encouraged what is the most cursed discussion on Twitter.com, which is why does New Japan not have a Joshi promotion? <laughs> and anything that encourages that conversation goes to the top of my list of the worst things in the world. <laughs> I mean, I seriously did not watch it. Otherwise, I probably would have it in my – maybe I had a backlash too because all the extra stuff is, is a good argument. Um, all right, Scott, what would you have for Worst Major Show? I'll try to go fast because I have three, but two of them have already been covered. So my number three is uh, Supercard of Honor, which I know did have good matches in it. I mean, Ibushi Page was good. Uh, I thought the ladder match for the six-man titles was good. Um, but my problem with that show is, one, is way too long. Two, <laughs> I mean, uh, the last two matches completely and completely under-delivered for me. I thought the Cody Omega match is like, definitely a worst of the year contender in terms of 
the hype for it and the amount of like, uh, you know, I mean, obviously they drew very well. I think people were really hyped for the feud and it, it was almost like those Gargano Ciampa match. It was just too much. Yeah. Like, I didn't, I didn't like it either. Match. Yeah. And it was 40 minutes long. And then they follow that up with like a 30 minute Marty Zuccarol match. That was That's, fucking, that was just awful. It's just one way to that get. That was like, really terrible. I just, I don't get who put together the show and why they did it like that because there's stuff to like on this show. But also, like, it, even when you look at the match lengths, it's like, why did the Briscoes versus Jay Lethal and Hiroshi Tanahashi need to be 20 minutes? Yeah. It's like Tanahashi is just like doing air guitar, like working a house show match. <laughs> why did you give him 20 minutes? Why? <laughs> It's like, I just, I don't understand. Anyway, um, yeah, my second was tr- the AAA show, Great Titan. Uh, just a horrible, God, just everything went wrong with it. And similar to like, it's very much like a 1999 WCW show where there's like lots of talent. There'll be good undercard stuff. And the, and even the Ray Scorpion versus Psycho Clown match starts off like super awesome. It's like this crazy brawl. And just like every match has to have like run-ins, and refs are flying all over the place and dying, and Vampiro has to stand tall at the end of, like, every match. <laughs> it's, like, I just... Also, completely baffling show. And number one is Backlash, which we won't even talk about. Fucking suck. Everyone's talking about it already. I, really I, don't, need to, I don't need to think about it anymore. <laughs> Did you... Miz, Miz Seth was the best match on that show, but, like, they, I think the rest of the show being so bad almost what, got that was match. Carmella, like Carmella versus Charlotte was on it? Uh, yes, right? I, I have that, two... Two of my three worst matches of the year on that fucking. That's that's on my worst of the year matches. Uh, um, all right, so that was the worst major show. I already gave my. Let me ask you something. Hold on. Is there a possibility that there will be a worst major show this year? That's a good question. Like With WWE, like triple, ma- like could Triple Mania stink up the joint? I don't think the problem with Triple Mania is that even with like run-ins, it's gonna have like so much. So it, it should have the Pentagon part. Like it's still going to have enough interesting yeah. stuff that it won't be like that, that bad. Okay. WWE, you're going to have any, like WWE can have like another really. Oh yeah. They, they, so this next December one, one they're just. Three rules is always uh, at least confusing when it doesn't need to be. This, this next one that they're doing in July, mm-hmm. is it Battleground? Help, help me well, out. Have like, best I think Styles Rusev, though, which I feel like that, I'm into that. Okay, but but it just depends if it over delivers because yeah. every it, this is this is a B card up and down. You have uh, the true. Bludgeon Brothers versus Kane and Daniel Bryan. I mean, it, it's it's a bad card up and down. Um, you know, WWE, I never count out in that, in that last part of the year too, that WWE and new Japan, they both have that in common where like they close the year really on a whimper. So you never, especially not survivor series is often pretty terrible. Um, but okay. So that was worst major show. Um, I wasn't going to do most overrated, most underrated, but Skyler demanded. I'm it. sorry. So, <laughs> First of all, um, I, I politely said, I was like, Skyler Hey, are we going to do it? <laughs> You said either you let me do this or I'm not coming on the show. And I said, all right, buddy. You can do well, that was it. a bad choice on your part. If those were your <laughs> <three> choices. <laughs> um, let's start with most overrated. For the, for the uninitiated, we're doing the observer definition here. So it's really most overpushed. As you've probably heard this discussion a million times, but that's what it is. Most overpushed, really. Uh, Skyler, since you demanded it, you can start out with give me your top three for most overrated. All right. Number three is Brock Lesnar, who... Would not be on my list in other years because I do generally actually like his match output. Um, you know, I think over his post-return run, 
between like Cena matches, the first Reigns match, you know, like he at the SummerSlam four, like he's had interesting matches, the Samoa Joe match. He's had like interesting matches I generally am into, but this year I can't defend him anymore. He hasn't had any good matches and he's been not there the entire time and he's made the title feel worthless. I just, I, I'm not, I'm done with it. Um, the second is Volador Jr., who is um, one of these, one of the guys in the CMLL who is just sort of penciled in for like a big match on every single show, despite being like one of the most boring workers in the entire company for like three years running. <laughs> uh, it basically like be the equivalent of, um, I don't know, just like Heath Slater randomly being in main events all the time. Or, heck, Brock Lesnar being ravens all the time. Just really worthless, boring wrestler that I just don't want to see ever again. Um, and number one is Cody. Um, I mean, he's just bad. I get that his role is he's good at that and he's over. So, you know, in some ways, I guess he's not overrated. But in terms of the way that shows are built around him, the way Ring of Honor's promotion is built around him, not necessarily even Bullet Club. It really is him. Even being the elite is now like more about him than the Bucks or Kenny. It was like their travelogue, and he's like, "Well, now it's the Cody show." So well, no, season two, they really cut back on that. Like he's he's just been doing like his little guest spots as like governor, running for governor, or no senator, whatever the fuck. Oh yeah, yeah, whatever. But yeah, he really hasn't been that on the show that much. Yeah, no, I I think towards the beginning of the year, it like reached a fever pitch, and like I said, I think not being into the Supercar of Honor stuff. Uh, that like hurt him in my eyes because he is, yeah, when he pushes this like golden god of the promotion and of the US Indies in general, you gotta deliver some good matches. And, uh, you know, outside of really the Ibushi match at Wrestle Kingdom, which I love, uh, I haven't really liked anything from him this year. I'm gonna give my top three because I'm excited to finally to, to finally bury this guy that I've defended for so long, but I can't defend him anymore. My third place is Roman Reigns. Um, I, I just like I, I never I always made fun of people for voting for him in the past, but like I can't defend him anymore. Like this half of the year, he hasn't had any good matches on pay per view. You know, maybe he's still doing it on Robbie Week, and maybe that's what's um, you know saving him for a lot of people. But I don't I don't watch Raw, and a lot of other people don't watch Raw. A lot of people watch just the network stuff. So you know, for if you're just watching the pay per views, he really hasn't had anything even remotely resembling a good match this year, or you know, certainly not a great match, and. You know, just the the role he's in. I mean, it's just it's cliche to talk about it, but it's just so true. Like no one wants to see him in this role anymore. They should be trying something else, and they just they just refuse to. So I mean, there's really nothing left to say about it. But to me, he has to he has to be in contention for this first half. Um, if he turns heel in the second half, and you know they finally give it up with him, and they, you know he has a great heel run, that I'm sure I won't actually vote for him at the end of the year. But the first half of the year, he's been just brutal. Um, number two, Brock Lesnar, for all the reasons that Skyler said. Um, just no, actually, no, number two, Carmella. I'm sorry. So, Carmella is number two, Brock is number one. Um, Carmella, just you know, just one of the worst wrestlers, you know, in WWE, and her, her having that woman's title over that, you know, the incredible amount of women's talent they have now is a complete joke. She's not even really that good of a talker. Like, um, you could at least make that argument for Alexa Bliss on the other brand. So I just, I, I just, she's terrible. She's awful. I don't know why Sal's she's a women's champion. And number one is Brock Lesnar because, you know, like Skyler said, he's just, he's having awful matches every month when he's there. And most of the time he's not there and he makes all of Raw feel like a fucking joke. So 
Uh, Taylor, what are your picks? Uh, so my pick uh, number three was doesn't really apply anymore. Big Cass was my number three. Uh, that guy stinks, and I'm glad he got fired. Um, my number two <laughs> pick is my number two pick is going to make a lot of people very mad. Um, my number two pick Hideki Suzuki. Uh, absolutely stinks he's horrible uh i watched the match with nomura today my favorite suzuki match of all time i gave it three and one four stars um and my and and my number one uh pick is um jeff jarrett jeff jarrett is like He'll never, he'll never go away. And anywhere he shows up, he wins the title. He's the AAA mega champion, inexplicably. Um, after the last time he was there, he threw tacos into the crowd because he was so drunk. The ne- very next time they bring him back, they make him the champion. Makes no sense to me. And anywhere he goes, he seems to fall into this great fortune. I know a lot of other people have talked about it. But he's not even that good of a wrestler to deserve for people to overlook this kind of shitty behavior that he has. So he's my he's my number one pick. Very fair. Um, all right, Emily, what do you got for this most overrated category? Uh, most overrated, I also have uh, Brock Lesnar. Uh, the other people I picked, I don't watch as much, but Brock Lesnar is a real bummer to have around in WWE right now. Um, it was cool when he first came back with Heyman and he had like the mystique um, and it was cool for him not to be around all the time. They made it work. Now it's just killed the the universal title scene that seemed like it was going to get good um, in the build to WrestleMania. And then it was like, nope, it's still Brock Lesnar for some reason. Um, and that really sucks. And um, I think the last really good match was with AJ at Survivor Series, and that was a while ago. Um, <laughs> I didn't even think that match was that great, honestly. But I don't know a lot of people, a lot of the people seem to love it. So yeah. Um, and then these two, uh, <laughs> like kind of the number two and three, are Flip Gordon and Hangman Page. Um, it was a late cut for mine too. I thought you fucking yeah. sucks. Yeah, he did okay on Best of the Super Juniors. He he had some stuff where I was like, oh, he's improving. But he was still a lot worse than literally everyone else in the tournament. Uh, Hangman Page, I feel kind of bad for saying this because I guess he is good at wrestling. But his every time he's in a storyline, it makes me less invested in the storyline because his character is just like he's generically angry and wears a noose, and then people are like, oh, but what about the bad sketch comedy he was in? It's like, oh, I don't care about that. So, um, I was he, told, I, Hang yeah. Page is a great one, because, like, I, I totally agree with you that he's, he's, a, he's become a much better wrestler, and yet I yeah. never, like, when they announced him the G1, it's not like I was like, oh, Hang Man Page, I was like, ah, <laughs> oh, Hang Man Page, alright. Like, I know he'll probably have some good matches, but he just has nothing. Like, there's nothing there to, like, as far as character-wise, to get excited for. Yeah, I feel like in maybe even the end of the year or like a year from now, I'll like him a lot more. Um, I think he does have 
where he's at in the wrestling world, I think he has a lot of room to develop. Um, But right now I am not feeling hangman page. Yeah. And then you have one. Oh, that was your, yeah. Oh yeah. That was all three. All right. Jeff. I'm going, to ram- I'm going to ramble about five, and they're in no particular order. Roman Reigns is boring and stupid, and he's the scrappy-doo of the WWE, <laughs> where it's just they keep on putting him on screen, and nobody – so get him off. Or turn him heel or do – boring, he's stupid. They him anymore. Right in matches over and over again. I've been now into two major live shows where crowds have turned on him, and I, I, I'm just tired of seeing this. Repackage him, have him go away, do something. Brock at least is interesting at times. Um, Nakamura, to me, you know, hasn't had a good match since he's gotten this push, so you know that, that falls within the parameters to me, and I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's him or if it's the style. I, I can't tell. Uh Braun Strowman has lost any interest for me because his matches haven't been very good and they turned him into an entertaining, gentle, giant, wacky comedy character. I I, I don't understand it. I I just think, you know, giving him money in the bank isn't making him more interesting. It's making him less interesting. Velveteen Dream, I think. What? Go ahead. I was just going to say, Braun's a really interesting pick. Yeah. Like he was like the big WWE guy I saw talked all the, talked up all the time last year, and I haven't seen anyone talking about him this year. So, um, my other two, Velveteen Dream is someone people want to be a star, but he's not ready to be yet. And I wish people would calm down on that. He has an interesting gimmick that people seem to like because it apes ravishing Rick Rude. There's a touch of homophobia in there that I'm a little uncomfortable with, to be un- honest with you. And his matches aren't that good. And I know people like him for being a personality. That's fine. Let's stop putting the belt on him just yet. And then Marty Skrull. I like Marty Skrull. But if you've seen two Marty Skrull matches, you've seen all of Marty Skrull matches for some reason. I I don't know what it is. I loved this guy the first few times I saw him in PWG. I just don't – I haven't seen him change up his act any other than costumes in New Japan. So those are my five roundaway picks, and in no particular order. He's he's funny. He's very funny as a comedy dipshit, but yes, yeah, like as a, as an actual wrestler, he's not very good. I would agree. Um, all right, so let's go to most underrated. Um, why don't we start with you this time, Taylor? What is your most underrated picks? Again, this is more like most underpushed. I couldn't I couldn't think of that many, uh, so I only have two for this. Uh, my number two is. Um, David Finley, uh, he's been pushed a little bit better this year. He had the title match, the U.S. title match, but I still always feel he feels to me like still barely a step uh, above Young Lion, and he just seems to float. You know, he kind of had that U.S. title match, and now he's back in the same situation he was in where he just kind of floats around he teams with the people who aren't in a group. You know, sometimes he takes the fall. So uh, it's gotten better, but I still think he's pretty underpushed. Um, and my number one is uh, Kyrie Sane. Mm. She yeah, won the I was, May- waiting to, I was waiting for her to come up because she's on my list too. Yeah, she won the Mae Young Classic last year. She received a title shot, not a one-on-one title shot, but a, a – four-way title shot and then just kind of disappeared 
and you know fights with the um Lacey Evans the troop uh the big troop in uh, NXT and it could really apply you know Kyrie Sane I think is the worst example of it but I think it applies to a lot of those people a lot of the women in NXT who are very talented and yet NXT seems to have with the women this okay we have to keep it even you know if we're if we're pushing Kyrie Sane we also have to push Vanessa Bourne and I'm like oh, who cares Lord. about who cares about <laughs> Vanessa Bourne you have Dakota Kai you have you know Nixon Newell who I don't remember what her new uh, NXT approved name is uh, you have all these really talented people and it seems like th- for the women they say okay for every indie or a Japanese woman we bring in, we also have to promote one person who's a random, you know, who's a model, uh, you know, Lacey Evans, who I think, you know, I think part of Lacey Evans is that I just hate the gimmick of, of someone who probably would um, go to a Trump rally. Um, but, you know, things like that, um, you know, Vanessa Bourne is another example. So, sh- Kyrie Sane to me is an obvious, uh, pretty obvious underpushed uh, person. Emily, what do you got for most underrated? Um, my top three in no particular order. This was a tricky category for me because um, a lot of times there there are some people where it's they're like wait and see people who I'm like mid card people I'm psyched about and it looks like maybe things are looking up for them. So I didn't list them, but I think. Top three are uh, Sasha Banks. Uh, she's gotten so close to winning big things this year and then not gotten those things. Um, she's had good matches on Raw, but it was, I feel like, it was wasted at WrestleMania. I think they could have done her and Bailey at Mania, and that would have been cool. Um, but yeah, it seems like better things should happen for her because she's such a good wrestler and such a popular one um but they're not happening right now but maybe they're gonna start happening soon i don't know um i would say uh taya valkyrie and impact she kind of she hasn't been there that long but i think they still could have handled her better um but it seems like maybe she should be getting kind of closer to what uh tessa blanchard is getting but she's not, um, but also they're kind of, they're both kind of Haas characters. So yeah, I don't know what's going on with that. This is not my most articulate category. Um, and then I'll say uh, Jeff Cobb is getting a, a title shot in New Japan, but it just seems like he should be signed to a bigger company. I mean, he's on Lucha Underground, but people don't really, a lot of people don't know that that's him. Um and they assume it's like a Mexican guy. Um, so I just think yeah, Jeff Cobb in his career, somebody's got to snap that guy up. He's amazing. New Japan might be. Yeah, they, I hope that they do. So, yeah, that's like all my underrated <laughs> people are people like they might, stuff might start happening. Um, so I hope that they do sign him or some other big company signs him. I'm going to give my three real fast here. I have Carrie Sand number three, pretty much everything Taylor said. Um, I have Daniel Bryan number two. I'm surprised he hasn't come up yet. I mean, he should have been like the biggest fucking deal of all time when he came back, and he's just been, it took, even even by their standards, that was like record fast. 
just another guy in. Um, and number one is Tetsuya Naito. He should be the fucking IWGP Heavyweight Champion. <laughs> Bullshit. So I don't know. I don't know how it's like unless if Naito wins the belt in like October, then I guess I won't put him in the top three or anything. But what about when he loses it to Okada at Wrestle Kingdom? Yeah, uh, that's gonna suck. All right, Skyler, give me your top three or whatever you have. Maybe I should have had Naito because I flew to Japan to see him be crowned heavyweight champion and he lost. I feel like Gato was throwing me a giant middle finger. Very rude. Um, My number three is Oni Lorcan, who is not number one with a bullet like he was last year because he actually got a takeover match finally. And he's had some more stuff on TV. He's had more storylines and stuff, which is awesome because probably one of the best wrestlers in NXT right now. Uh, and he's a guy who I loved on the indies. So hopefully he'll get more opportunities or just leave. I mean, that would be preferable to me at this point. Um, uh, my number two is Jonathan Gresham, who I'm like Bible thumping on Twitter every day, trying to get people to watch him. He just had a match against Kushida, a singles match um, in ROH last night. So I haven't seen that yet, but I'm sure that's awesome. Hopefully that gets people's eyes on him. Uh, but he's the type of guy who, like, in 20 years, people on PWO will be like, man, he really was the best worker in America during this year. And I'm just trying to get people on the wave now. Like, you're going to feel like this in 20 years, so just watch him now. Uh, he's probably, I would say, almost definitely the best worker in the United States and maybe the world. Uh, he's that good. <laughs> he's uh, he's 5'2", and it doesn't matter. His matches rule. Um He's very, very carefully, like, expand out his moveset from being, like, a technical guy to now he's starting to add all this high-flying stuff. And he's just, like, a super well-rounded wrestler who has good matches with everybody. Um, yeah, and ROH doesn't do anything with him. Apparently, he's a trainer for them, but he basically just jobs all the time and works dark matches. Um, and then number one, Cassius Ono slash Chris Hero. See, I've heard, I always forget he exists now, so that's yeah. probably why he's well, not on my list. Like, I get, I get why people wouldn't vote him in a category like this, because apparently he, like, wanted to be, like, a trainer who, like, worked TV matches. He basically just, like, wanted to ride off into the sunset and make extra money, which, I mean, good for him. I can't think of anyone who would be, like, a more worthwhile trainer in 2018. But, I mean, would it kill them to, like, give him a few singles matches on TakeOver every once in a while, or... Yeah, just do something because I think for like 2015, 2016, he was like easily like best in the world contender, if not my number one for both mm-hmm. years. Um, so I feel like when you have a guy that talented, even if he is doing other things, even if you just never want to move him up to the main roster, why can't he also be training people and defending against all these incredible wrestlers you signed to? Like just, you know, let him do some spot matches. Uh, so yeah, I'm more just mad that they just took the... Uh, you know, the 2016 time where he was working like three, four star matches every weekend and how awesome that was. And I'm just sad we don't have that anymore. All right. Uh, Jeff, what about your, do you have any picks here for most underrated? Well, I, I changed it midstream because what you guys said about Kyrie Sane and I'd include Bailey in that thing stands for, for women's wrestling in, in the WWE. I mean, they're better than everybody on that roster. And, and the fact is they want hot chicks that they have to push over them. Uh, my number three is the revival. Uh, look, this is the best team possibly in NXT history. They made American alpha and Gargano Ciampa look like greatness. They made the authors of pain look like greatness 
and they're reduced to that stupid main roster trope of you use tag teams to get over your big headline stars. And it pisses me off so much. These guys should be part of a tag team revolution in WWE. And it's, you know what, it's never going to happen. And these guys are going to be the victims of it to the point where they make fun of their gimmick on air (laughs) about history and knowing history and stuff, which pisses me off to no end. My number two is Chad Gable. Raw 25 show with that, with maybe the the biggest revival burial of all, like for any consideration. (laughs) Uh, don't remind me. I, I put that in the back of my head. My my number two is Chad Gable, uh, world class talent, and they don't do jack with him other than gender the occasional gender Mahal slip on a banana peel win. I mean, what the hell? I mean, if worse comes worse, bring Jason Jordan back, team them up, drop that stupid Kurt Angle's his dad storyline, and and do something do something with them as a team, and then decide later to break them up. And uh, my number one is Daniel Bryan. Uh, you stole my thunder here. A little bit, John. Uh, Biggest comeback in modern WWE history, and they take him out of his very first match for half the match at WrestleMania. Then they stick him in a feud with Cass, and now he's teamed with Kane in a mid-card tag team feud, even though it's for the titles with the Bludgeon Brothers. This guy should be headlining your shows. You should be pushing him to the moon. I know he hasn't re-signed, so to speak, but if anybody leaves, if he leaves and goes to New Japan or Ring of Honor or PWG or an American Legion Hall, I'd be more than happy to see him there. All right. Um, Skyler also demanded best non-wrestler. Oh, my God. Um, oh, so Skyler, give me your, <laughs> Skyler, give me your picks for best non-wrestler. All right. So number three is uh, Daryl. Just because, I mean, I, I, it doesn't say non-human. All right, that's, all right, that's number three for me too. Now, so. Yeah, like, um, I, not not to get like super serious about Daryl, because I should just say I move on. But he really does, like, in the lean periods of like Hiromu Takahashi's push, like when he didn't win a singles match for an entire year after Best of Super Juniors, because Gato doesn't know how to book juniors. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like, I think having something that he can fall back on that he can still entertain people that he can get over is like an awesome thing for him to have. And it was a genius move on his part to do something like that. Um, my second is Lena Vega, who is another person who I feel like should be on all lists. I mean, she just adds a ton to the Amis act. She's a huge part of him getting over this year. Um, and she adds a lot to the matches too, because her, her interference never feels forced. It feels like almost like a natural flow in the match. It's like the one manager interference i'm not like oh well this ruins the match like it just it works and um you know the only thing that might drop her off my list is if they never appear on tv yeah i was gonna say like (laughs) the fact that they haven't appeared at all basically since he got called up that's the only thing to keep an off of my list yeah he 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 would be i think in the in the in sort of the mid-tier of like your thighs flare type contenders if he was just on tv every week but you know that goes uh, and number one is Stokely Hathaway, easily the best talker on the indies, easily the only worthwhile manager, the only funny person in indie wrestling, <laughs> because most indie wrestlers aren't funny. Um, just it has also worked a few matches this year, not so much to disqualify him, but has just some weird, dumb matches against people like Chuck Taylor um, and just makes everybody that he that he manages just feel more important. And started with like TJP and Evolve like two years ago, made TJP seem likable. And, you know, he's done 
tons of great work all over beyond Nova Pro, Evolve, um, Limitless. <laughs> like he he has gotten all over the place, uh, and he probably has the best Twitter on in terms of wrestlers. So yeah, TJP awesome. the the misogynist, not the not the Joshi promotion. Yes, he did not get Tokyo Joshi. Also, although now please Sogi Hathaway and Maki Ito. Yeah, let's awesome. add him because that would be the two grumpiest people in wrestling. Uh, Taylor, do you have anything for best non wrestler? So I had Stokely Hathaway at three um, for all the reasons that were said. Um, really enjoyable on the indies, a throwback to, you know, the managerial days that don't really exist anymore. Uh, my number two is Taka Michinoku. Um, I am uh, admittedly not a huge fan of Zack Sabre Jr., but putting him with Taka, I'm so excited every time for the introductions. I love the introductions. It's so great. I think he's been so great. I mean, obviously, he is also a wrestler, so I don't know how much it really counts, uh, but he was number two. And number one really doesn't count. Uh, It's a group of people, but... You know, this is not any official thing, so I'm going to do whatever I want. It's the various idols that DDT has gotten to commentate for uh, Manji Manji. <laughs> Watching those girls, women, watch the shows is one of the most enjoyable things about wrestling in 2018. It is amazing. They're and I'm so. Yeah, they're so fucking awesome. I'm surprised that no, I mean, to my knowledge, I'm surprised that no other show has regularly used that tactic to make the shows more enjoyable. Because to me, it makes those shows so much fun. Taylor, did you ever see when Hollywood Jarena and some other idol were on Battleman one time and they like just showed the two of them, like, I guess because they were both going to be in, in matches in that. AKB whatever thing they were doing, yeah, like yeah. Cl- like famous Joshi clips. It was, no, no, I don't uh, think I saw that. That's so you need to find that. So like the two of them reacting to like girls jumping off the balcony and yeah, was getting thrown to barbed wire. Was like they just couldn't take it. Jarena was sort of able to take it, but the other girl like she was just, <laughs> she was like jumping and like almost looked like she wanted to dive onto the table. It was, it was pretty amazing. Um, all right, Emily, what do you do? You have anything for best non wrestler? Uh, I was not prepared for this one. I missed it. Sorry. Okay, it's fine. It's fine. Um, um, off the top of my head, though, or or that I like frantically wrote down while you guys were answering. Um, say uh, Renee Young is really good always as a non wrestling personality, um, and uh, Daryl is great as just like a, a spiritual talisman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he he did have his or Daryl Jr. had his in ring debut this year, so maybe more of a wrestling wrestling personality. Um, number one, I'll say Okada's pants. <laughs> yeah. Wow, they have a personality of their own. They've generated a lot of discussion. I'm sure they have. Yeah, uh, Jeff, what do you have for best on wrestler? Uh, number three, I'm going to say Brandy Rhodes. I know she's wrestled a few in Women of Honor, but she's still best non-wrestler. Um, I think she makes the Cody Rhodes act infinitely more palatable um, with their shenanigans together. 
Um, so I'm going to separate her quote unquote wrestling from her non wrestling in, in a vacuum and put her as my number three. My number two is fairly recent. I, I love Destro in the Pierre Carl Ouellette vignettes that he's doing of late. Um, I don't know. I, I'm loving the second, the second half, the second half of life resurgence for PCO quite a bit. And uh, the two of them together are absolutely insane. And number one is Stokely Hathaway. The, the guy, man, if WWE ever had managers again, this dude should be getting a huge paycheck and everywhere he goes, he's brilliant. All right. Um, so my top three here, I only had two originally, but fuck it. I'm going to put Daryl third as well. Um, my number two, I'm going to piss some people off probably, but I really like Don Chocodino as uh, the producer of DDT. I think he does a great job. I think he does a great <laughs> job in the role. Um, you know, so I'm gonna I'm voting for Dino number two, and number one I have Takamichinoku. Uh, I think he's everything. Everything Taylor said, I think he's. I don't normally care that much about Zack Saber Jr. either, but listening to Taka come out and do his whole hype man job, he's just so awesome in that role. So that's. I, I really don't see anyone beating Taka for that, but unless someone really debuts a great managerial act. Um, all right, so next let's do the promotion of the year. Um, I'll start on this one, actually. Let me say, I have All Japan third. Um, I think they've had a I think they've had a really cool year so far, I, a half year. Uh, the Champion Carnival was a lot better than I, even, even than I expected, and that's going to go a long way to carrying the year. Um, as far as whether or not they can rise further in the second half, you know, I, I think they can rise even further. I think a lot depends on the how that big Osaka show goes that they have planned for it, coming up in a few weeks, I believe. And, you know, the World Tag League, very different to, from New Japan's Tag League. Um, the All Japan Tag League is always a big deal. So if they have another good All Japan Tag League, that'll go a long way towards improving All Japan stock in the second half. Uh, number two, I have DDT. And honestly, if if Tokyo Joshi Pro didn't count as part of DDT, DDT would be third and All Japan would be second. But since it's part of that DDT umbrella, and to me it should count as one vote, just like WWE and NXT does, um, DDT is a pretty clear number two for me here, just because you know the the main DDT roster stuff has been very up and down. But uh, Manji Manji's been really good on a weekly basis. Uh, Judgment has you know was a very very good show. Some of the Corkins haven't been as good as last year, but still. Still some good stuff. And, you know, and Tokyo Joshi Pro has just been killing it, you know, for the first half of the year um, to the point where I think that that elevates DET to here. And um, number one, I have New Japan. I just think it's a really cliche pick, but I think they've had a really good first half. Um, you know, I just, Dominion was an awesome show. The New Japan Cup, which a lot of years isn't that great, was actually, I thought, quite great this year. Uh, the new beginning stuff is awesome. Really, the only only thing they've done so far this year that I wasn't that into was uh, Sakura Genesis, but even that had a couple really good matches, even though I wasn't as into the main event. But um, you know, the second half, they have, obviously the, if the G one is really good, that'll help them a lot. Um, you know, they always have that. It's always t- tough for them with me because they always have that lull at the end, where you know September is usually really bad for them, and December is usually really bad for them with the tag league. That means nothing. But um, if they have a really good G1, maybe a good King of Pro Wrestling and, and or Power Struggle, maybe they can hold on to the tough spot. I really have not voted for them, number one, I think, in a few years. So, um, But they've they've had a really good first half. Uh, Skyler, I know you won't vote for New Japan, so you can be a good counterweight here. 
what do you have as your promotion of the year picks? I'm not voting for New Japan. I will say, I mean, it wasn't like they were super far off my list. For as much as I complain about New Japan, like I flew for Wrestle Kingdom this year. Like I'm, I still like them. I just, you know, you complain about the things you love. Uh, <laughs> my number three is All Japan, similar to you. I have pretty much the same thoughts. Just, I think they've just exceeded every expectation on paper that I would have had for them this year. Um, I've even liked like a lot more undercard stuff than last year. I mean, yep. I the junior, junior division has been fun too. Yeah, I, I know people people like to hate on Tajiri, but I think he's had some really interesting dynamic matches and performances this year. I can't wait uh, for him against Akiyama. Yeah, I think the tag stuff has been awesome. Like, it, I think it's just a really interesting top to bottom promotion, and I think they still have. You know, and even like bringing in new people, like they just had a lot of interesting shifts this year. But Champions Carnival, I mean, how genius does the guest stars they brought in this year look? Like with the way like Shingo performed was arguably like an MVP of the tournament. The way like Yuji Hino performed, like I, I think that was just a pretty perfectly booked tournament. And I think their match quality is like through the roof. Um, my number two is CML- CMLL which is promotion I couldn't really put in the spot last year because the booking was so, so bad. Um, And Lucha booking is always like completely random, especially in CMLL. It doesn't make any sense. But this year it hasn't shot itself in the foot and they probably have the best roster of wrestlers in the world. So outside of maybe WWE. So, uh, you know, it's pretty, they can just sort of sleepwalk into this position. Uh, Every, you know, lots of the main event stuff has been, quite a bit better. I think they've pushed people in really thoughtful ways. Um, guys like Soberano Jr., who started their push last year, are sort of coming to their own as, like, true stars this year. Um, a lot of the young guys, like Templario and Aldaz, like, there are just lots of great wrestlers up and down the card. A lot of the young guns here that hopefully will be able to push out some of the old guys are going to be, like, awesome. And also Cranio, who was, like, a meme for all of a month, when he was like getting a sort of mini push, they just, you forget how many great wrestlers are on this roster sometimes until you sit back and look and see like four different Friday night shows with different main events every single time uh, with all stars. Uh, and my number one is DDT. I do think they might fall off towards the end of the year, maybe off my list, but it's hard to be starting off like the literally the first thing in your year is like an awesome singles tournament. Oh, yeah, I forgot I forgot all about the year. Yeah. And then you go right and then you go right into like my show of the year. Like when you had started your first three months are like that. And even like the little shows in between the Grand Prix and Judgment were really good. <laughs> so uh yeah, I I just it's hard to just beat that at this point. And also like you said, Choki Tokyo Joshi Pro is now on fire. And DN- so, DNA has been good this year too. I want yeah, to DNA, DNA, yeah. DNA was like sneakily like great last year and it's still been very good this year. So DDT like CMLL is just a company that has so much talent on our roster that unless booking goes disastrously like WWE VAD, like they just put together awesome matches and awesome shows. And that's now, I want, all I want to say the, the Eerie thing to me is what's hurting it so far, but maybe the Eerie Higuchi match was a turning point for that because it was actually really good. Yeah, if the, if the Eerie thing stretches towards, like, the end of the year, God forbid, or, like, yeah. something like that, I could see me sort of penalizing that. But ultimately, even though I haven't loved the matches, I think pretty top to bottom, none of, nothing has been, like, offensive. 
I mean, yeah, he knows sure. offensive, but not in that way. So. <laughs> um, Emily, what do you have for best promotion? Uh, I don't have a really good answer for this. I think because I don't watch enough. Uh, there aren't enough promotions I, I watch consistently and keep up to date with what they're doing where I could be like, yes, in the past six months, I've watched a lot of matches from this amount of promotions. Um, so it would be like, I've, I've, a lot of the wrestling I watch is like at local promotions that I get into uh, after doing ring crew for them. So it would be like uh, bar wrestling and New Japan and PCW in California. <laughs> Those would be like my top three because of my weird wrestling viewing life. Fine. I mean, yeah, I don't have a good answer for this one. <laughs> All right, uh, Jeff, what do you have in your top three? Bar wrestling is a lot of fun. I wouldn't shade bar wrestling at all. Um, <laughs> for me personally, uh, you know, Rev Pro uh, does the new New Japan talent usage over there has really helped them quite a bit. I think Progress has taken a step back, putting the main title on Travis Banks somewhat. Um, but you know, there's a there's a lot of other smaller companies in contention. PWG's had an underrated year. Rise is pretty good, but you know, number three right now for me is Rev Pro. Number two, I agree with CMLL. It's just been enjoyable to watch all year uh, for me. The, the parts that I can uh, get to, I don't necessarily understand all of it. I don't follow all of it, but it's never boring to me. And I, I'm a New Japan guy at number one right now. I think they're the best major company doing it right right now because wwe does so much wrong <laughs> yeah even including nxt i guess you can't give them a vote huh well you know if i could separate nxt i'd put that probably as number two behind new japan but you can't really because you see how how they take the nxt people put them on the main roster and do nothing with them so i mean that that would color my enjoyment yeah. quite a bit and you can't put it in a vacuum so you know i mean wwe is always going to have this issue where they have there's such a bloated big conglomerate full of half-assed effort in terms of their booking that they're never going to be top three i don't think and if you're going for you know most enjoyment uh taylor what do you have in your best promotion of the year so my number three promotion is owe um, in China, I think that they, you know, they're obviously a newer promotion. Maybe they don't have this stockpiling of matches or shows, uh, that a lot of other companies can lean on, but I think they've done a great job in really building a sort of word of mouth, um, about the promotion. Obviously they have a lot of exciting talent in the company, um, in addition to the the Dragon Gate guys who came over. But it's really uh, a promotion that I have a lot of friends who are who would probably be considered or consider themselves kind of mainstream wrestling fans. You know, they pay attention to WWE and New Japan and maybe the occasional match from elsewhere. And I think OWE has really gotten through a lot of the wrestling noise because uh, I have a lot of those friends who ask me about um, OWE, where can I see the shows? What is this? Where did it come from? So I think that they've done a really good job, um, even though they're a relatively newer company, of really getting um, their style and their shows out there to the world. Um, 
my number two promotion is New Japan. It's been talked about. It's been a great year for them. Um, and they could, I could easily see them moving up to number one throughout the rest of the year or staying at number two, but it's been a strong year. And to me, number one has been DDT. Um, I think the match quality has been good overall when you look at the entire year. Um, it's been talked about. Uh, you know, maybe they've had, you know, a few missteps, but nothing that's really negatively colored my opinion of them. Um, I've already talked about it multiple times, but Manji Manji, to me, is such a plus for them. It's such a smart way uh, for them to kind of get what they're about out there in a weekly show that you can probably get through in about an hour and a half, an hour 45, if you really, uh, if you really push yourself. And to me, you talked about DNA. Um, but that's really one thing to me that's really underreported or under talked about about DDT. They have an insane collection of really young talent that is, you know, middle up for them that you don't even really think about. I mean, obviously, Takashita is 23. He's really the face of that youth. But Umeda, Ueno, Take- uh, Takeda, um I mean, Bailey's pretty young. Mao, Shun, I mean, it's like guy after guy where you could age, you know, half the roster 10 years and you'd still have most of the guys in their 30s. So um, I think that's really impressive and it sets them up for, you know, maybe the rest of the year they drop off because they don't have the match quality or things like that. But I think they're set up for years down the road to have a really strong core of guys that they can rely on yeah i totally agree all right so let's just do worst promotion here uh, however many picks you have emily you got any picks for worst promotion yeah my main uh worst pr- i just have one worst promotion that is it's definitely arguable but i'll say <laughs> a ring of honor um i don't watch ring of honor that often but whenever i do i don't want to watch it again um it's like the feel bad wrestling promotion for me um, for a couple reasons, I think every wrestling promotion, it kind of like the term WWE universe is kind of stupid, but every wrestling promotion is kind of their own universe. The ring of honor universe is not one I like spending time in. It feels very bleak because of the bullet club dominance. Um, and I think maybe it's, it's a weak creative thing where like at Supercard of honor, uh, Skylar, you, you mentioned, a lot of things I've issued with like Kenny versus Cody, they had to like really overhype that as like the end of this feud. And then it wasn't going to be the end of that feud. And then they tried to keep their title. Like it was more important than that, but it was not. Um, And that's, I think partly their fault for just letting the bullet club stuff dominate everything for them. Um, And uh, I think, yeah, it hurts the rest of the roster, even though they do have some really good matches. Um, it's just kind of a bummer. Um, Cody's role is weird, uh, or he is their top heel, I guess, but like people cheer for him too much to really be the top heel, but they still book him like the top heel. He is like actively a, a sexual predator in New Japan, so it's weird to see people like cheer for him a lot because of how that character is elsewhere uh, for me. And I don't like how they treat their women's division where they had a shirt that was like 
the future is women of honor. And it was like, oh, okay. They get like one match a -hmm. show. The dark matches. It doesn't seem like that's really (laughs) the future of your, I know it's just like a dumb gimmicky shirt, but like, I didn't like it. (laughs) It it was, it seemed really insincere to me and kind of like trying to trick people into getting into their women's division with like feminist language. Though they do have a lot of really good uh, female wrestlers there. And just a lot of really good wrestlers in the whole promotion. Um, it is just a bummer of a promotion for me. So it's the worst promotion of the year, in my opinion. <laughs> All right. Um, Jeff, what do you have for worst promotion? Anything? Right now, for the first half of the year, I'm going with AAA. Uh, just because of the Jeff Jarrett and Alberto El Patron involvement <laughs> with both. I, I can't stand either of those guys. Uh, F them. I don't want to watch this promotion with those two involved in it. Um, you know, it, 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 I could go WWE, but that's more lost potential uh, than anything. Um, right now for me, it's AAA. Skyler, you got anything on this? Um, I have a three, but I don't really go into them because I feel like they're self-explanatory. Three is ROH, which just annoys me. I mean, and I wrote this down before Jay Lethal became champion again. So that should tell you a lot. Um, Two is WWE, which is trash, but NXT and the UK stuff is good. So I can't put them at number one. And then number one is AAA because uh, they're just terrible. All right. Uh, Taylor, what do you have for this? So I have, for number three, I have Big Japan. I just think they're booking. They do about two things right, and then they do about ten things wrong. So it's just so frustrating to me to watch um, that company with a lot of people I like just can't seem to get out of their own way when it comes to booking. Um, Number two, I have... uh, Triple A, uh, as I said before, not bad bad shows, and people have mentioned before, just not a good year for them. And number one, I have WWE. You know, I I enjoy NXT, but the main roster stuff to me is so bad that really nothing can. You know, having a having a great takeover once every four months <laughs> doesn't quite make up the fact that the rest of it is just so bad um and i've actually um i watched uh wwe pay-per-views the first half of the year i will not be doing that for the second half of the year um <laughs> they can't they can't fall but they can't rise either i'm a, so i'm officially uh walking away from it until something happens someone tells me oh everything you hated about them has changed so i don't really expect to be back but it is what it is. Yeah, Lucha um, Underground is going to be on that list if they continue this way that they're going. I'm just <laughs> um, for me, Force Promotion. So I I had Big Japan as my number three, but like that June thirtieth show was so fucking good that to me, like that that show alone, just t- I can't include them on this list. You know, any any promotion that had um, two matches back to back, like you know Hideki Nomura and uh, Izami Kodaka and Takeda. Like I just, you know, just it, that that alone to me made them not one of the worst promotions. They were having a really bad year before that, but um, I just I can't vote for them when they had a show that good. Um, so I have two picks here. I have Ring of Honor number two for all the reasons people stated. Um, the one thing I will say is I didn't see this last pay per view, and a lot of people are raving about it. 
So maybe if I had seen that, it would have increased, um, you know, my thoughts on them. But like, you know, the Supercard of Honor show is just so fucking bad. And, you know, I, I also tried to watch the, the War of the Worlds tour when New Japan was there. And like, it was just such a slog to get through. Like I gave up after two shows. It was just like, you know, Emily covered it really well, actually. It is just like a really depressing promotion to watch. Um, number one, I have WWE. Um, you know, no one who follows me will be surprised. But like, yeah, the main roster stuff is just so horrendous. And I just can't even, I can't get into watching takeovers anymore because it's like, I don't know. It just feels so like, what is the point when these people are going to get called up and destroyed? It's just, it's just not appealing for me anymore. So, um but yeah, the main roster. I I didn't watch Money in the Bank other than Roman Gender for comedy purposes, and I might be joining Taylor on the sidelines because it's just like I, I keep telling myself I should watch it for this show, but like at the end of the day, I don't know if that if my suffering is worth it. So I might just be giving up on them as well. But we'll see. Um, all right, so let's do. We have a few categories left here. Let's start with most outstanding wrestler. So this is supposed to be in ring only. Um, your same, your similar thing is like a the we don't know wrestling one hundred type of list, you know in ring only. I have a top ten here, um, but I'll let somebody else start. Uh, why don't you start, Jeff? What do you have for most outstanding? Uh, uh be fairly easy. Okada, Naito, and uh, Seth Rollins. That's your top three. Mm, well, I mean. Off the top of my head, I know Okada and Naito are my top two, and then number three is a various list of people. But I'm I'm gonna say Rollins because he's stuck on the main company and doing good work despite it. All right, fair enough. Uh, Emily, do you have anything for most outstanding? Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> you said me, right? Yeah. Okay. I would say uh, number three. Uh, Hiromu Takahashi is killing it out there. Um, best of the Super Juniors oh, that's performance <laughs> was great. Yeah, um, yeah, he's been doing awesome because he is in the the junior division. Maybe gets a little bit. Uh, their matches, their big matches, tend to be less epic. So, um, but he has, yeah, doing the serious stuff, doing the comedy stuff, uh, doing crazy bumps. Um, I don't know. <laughs> That's maybe not something to put you on the list, but it, it, he looks uh, like he's really giving his all every time and gets the crowd super on board every time. Um, number two, Seth Rollins. Uh, number one, Okada. Um, he was kind of in a difficult position at the beginning of the year uh, with the booking of Wrestle Kingdom 12. Um, but even though I still think Naito should have won it, I it ended up not being like mad about it while watching the other Okada mm-hmm. title defenses because he was doing so great and had uh, such a variety of good matches so far this year. Yeah, I was just saying if the new Bernie should have won. If they mm-hmm. should have won. <laughs> equally, equally accurate. I guess, I guess if Bernie would have won, now I think about it. I don't know what the hell I'm saying. All right, <laughs> Skyler, um, what do you have for most outstanding? All right, I do have a top 10, but I'll, I'll just go, I'll list them really quick and just talk about the top three. So 10 going in order. It's Kota Umeda, Kazuzada Higuchi, Ricky Marvin, Soberano Jr., Okada, Daisuke Sekimoto, and Kento Miyahara. And then my third is Hiromu Takahashi, basically for the reasons that we've all elaborated on. 
should be on everyone's list. Rules, he's the best. Um, number two is Jonathan Gresham, who I won't preach at that pulpit again. Um, but really, he has some, just watch his matches. The first Jay Lethal match from this year. It's uh, match against Dominic Garina at Nova Pro, uh, the Commonwealth Cup. Uh, he had a match against Josh Briggs and beyond uh, a few weekends ago. That was awesome. It's just a great wrestler. Number one is Big Dog, the real Big Dog, Shuji Ishikawa, who is almost like Chris Hero in 2016 in this regard, where he just gets so many opportunities. He could just work like a bunch of singles matches in every promotion in Japan. So he just stacks up like awesome matches. And it's basically not fair. No one else will like. It's very difficult for other wrestlers to come close to him. Yeah, and it's not even counting not even counting his tag stuff, which is awesome. Exactly, too. exactly. It's I just like know. he you know, for a Japanese wrestler, that's like a little more rare. And he's so awesome already. So it's just it's hard. It's like I said, he sort of laps the field. It's very difficult to put anyone even near him. Uh Taylor, what do you have for most outstanding? So I have a I have a top ten and I will uh go through it quickly from ten to one. Uh, Masashi Takeda, Kenny Omega, KZ, Hiromu Takahashi, Will Ospreay, Shingo Takagi, Misaki Ohata. Number three, I have Kazuchika Okada for all the reasons that people have said before. Number two, I have uh, Walter. I think that he has had a great year um, both in uh, Europe and in the States against a variety of opponents. And I think he's set up pretty well for the rest of the year to continue that. And number one, I have to agree, big dog Shuji Ishikawa uh, just has been able to go kind of from tournament to tournament and have great matches. Um, Obviously he's a great wrestler, but I think he's put himself in the best situation to have a high volume of great matches, uh, which puts him at number one for me. Um, all right, so my top 10, again, I have a top 10, too. I have Tetsuya Naito in 10th. Um, you know, given how big a mark I am for him, the fact to have him in 10th should be something. But um, I just think he hasn't enough opportunities to to really have a great year. But once you have that Jericho match, that to me was like a huge step forward for him. That match was like just so fucking good. And he can obviously still really climb in the second half of the year if he has a really good G1. And then maybe he's in the title mix towards the end of the year. I have Momo Watanabe ninth, uh, another one who I think is going to have a lot of opportunities in the second half now that she's a champion. Uh, Junakiyama eighth, Kenny Omega seventh, El Desperado sixth, uh, Miyu Yamashita fifth, Kazuchika Okada fourth. I have Kento Miyahara in third. I think he's just been an outstanding age for all Japan. Um, those two Marafuji matches really are what puts him really over the top for me. But, you know, he had really great matches with Joe Doring. Uh, even his tag stuff with Yoshitatsu was awesome. So just awesome in everything he's done so far this year. I have Shuji Shikawa number two. All the reasons, all the things you guys said is just he gets so many opportunities and he kills it everywhere. And then I have Hiromu Takahashi number one. I just think he's the best wrestler on the planet in the first half of the year, and I don't really think it's close. Um, I worry about him getting enough chances in the second half, just given that you know obviously he won't be doing much during the G1 and stuff. But as long as he's junior champion for a little while longer, he'll. He should get enough really good matches to stay uh, at least in the top three, probably for the second half. But the first half, first half of the year was just, you know, amazing. Um, all right. So now we'll do match of the year. We only got a few categories left here. So 
Uh, Emily, why don't you start match of the year? What do you have for match of the year? Uh, this was this one. Uh, I did actually do a, a top ten, but it's like no particular order until number one. Okay. Um, so we'll just I'll just list those <laughs> really quickly. Um, there were a lot of good NXT matches and a lot of good best of the Super Juniors matches. They're probably underrepresented on this list, but this is what I came up with. Um, Oscar versus Charlotte at WrestleMania 34 was a very good match and I think important for like probably the first really good uh, women's match on a WrestleMania card. So it meant a lot to me besides just being a good match. Um, Okado Mega 4 at Dominion. Uh, Goto versus Suzuki at Wrestle Kingdom 12 is like my most rewatched match from Wrestle Kingdom 12. I uh, love it so much. Um, I think the at uh, Impact Wrestling Redemption, the title match, uh, Pentagon Jr. versus Phoenix versus Austin Aries. Um, that was kind of, I think Impact Redemption was like a redemption pay-per-view for Impact. Um, that match was a big part of that. Um, the um, Men's Royal Rumble in WWE, um, Young Bucks versus Golden Lovers, uh, Strong Style Evolved. Um, out of the many really good Best of the Super Juniors matches, say, uh, Hiroto Takahashi versus El Desperado, that was freaking rad and started what turned out has turned out to be an awesome feud so far, just so fun on every level. Um, on uh, that one, I didn't look up what date of uh, Monday Night Raw this was, but that one time they had a gauntlet match. It went like an hour. It was uh, Rollins, Reigns, Cena, Elias, Balor, Miz, Braun. Didn't it and... go like two and a half hours or something? I went like yeah. longer. Didn't it go like two hours at least? It, it was like a oh, little yeah, over an hour. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was over an hour and it was awesome. And it, uh, I think it felt extra good because uh, it was such a breath of fresh air. I mean, Raw does some, there was a while like last year when they were just having like pretty long matches that were good but uh, this was like kind of the peak of of that like a lot of times wwe is really disappointing in how they set up their wrestling matches we've already talked about that on this episode people talk about that all the time um but this this was like realizing potential um uh, i will say that was the only thing i've well, the only thing i've really watched on raw all year other than the terrible raw 25 show so i did yeah. turn on I turned on the middle of that gauntlet like, because people said it was good, and it was pretty good. So. Yeah. Um, the last runner-up um, is from New Japan Anniversary Show, the Roppongi 3K versus uh, Suzuki-Goon, El Desperado, and Kanemaru versus uh, Bushi and Hiromu. Uh, such a great combination of teams um, killing each other and cheating a lot. Very fun, fast-paced tag team match. Um, and my match of the year so far has been Okada versus Tanahashi at Wrestling Dontaku. Um, just every time I think about it, I feel good about it. I feel good about wrestling. I liked the in-ring storytelling a lot, and it was technically very good. Um, a lot of times, old kind of fading ace wrestlers uh don't go out that well and dumb stuff happens with them because of company politics or 
their bodies being in bad shape or whatever, but this was a really, really nice match for Tanahashi to kind of, I mean, he's not retired or anything, but it was like, okay, he's not the ace anymore. We're not going to pretend like he might be anymore. And I liked him getting to uh, show us that in this match. And then I liked Okada being full, like right before he was going to lose the title, getting to be like peak golden god of the promotion okada in that match it really was peak like i can't be beaten um jeff do you have what do you have for match of the year i got five uh my number five is uh walter versus zach saber jr from progress new orleans for the uh, number one contendership there that was just a great match to watch live uh number four from stardom uh shirai versus nicole savoy for the uh, world of stardom title, uh, just a great, great match. And I was so happy for Nicole Savoy to be able to have that, uh, there. Um, my number three, um, Hiromu Takahashi versus Dragon Lee from best of the super juniors, uh, block B, um, just, you know, you can have, a, you have about 12 Takahashi matches to choose from. And I feel bad that I omitted him on my top three. Cause I meant to put him on it just pisses me off so much. Uh, number two, uh, Johnny Gargano versus Andrade Cien Almas from uh, TakeOver Philadelphia. Uh, better, just a great um, start to finish. Probably the best match in WWE this year. And uh, my number one is Okada and Naito from Wrestle Kingdom 12. All right. Uh, my, I'm going to do my top 10 now. So I do, do have a top 10 here. Number 10 I have from the Dio Grand Prix, Daisuke Suzaki versus Suji Ishikawa. Um, I think this is one of those matches where you have to be really invested in both guys to view it at this level, but just, you know, the story of, you know, Sasaki and how he treated Suji and Suji just, like, basically um, not... Even though he was beating everybody else in this tournament, the fact that he wasn't able to beat Daisuke by the end of it was uh, it was just an awesome little story. And I thought, you know, they did some sick shit, too, with chairs and stuff, too. So, um, but wrapped up in that whole little damnation story. Uh, ninth, I have the GHC heavyweight title match from Noah's January 6th, Corican, uh, Kano, and Kaito Kiyomiya. I just thought it was, like, a, such a great coming out party for Kiyomiya. And, you know, they just kicked the fucking shit out of each other, which I'm always going to be a mark for. Um, eighth, I have the Intercontinental title match from Dominion, Naito, and Jericho. Um, I just thought this was such a great brawl and just like uh, so above and beyond what I was expecting, which is I was expecting another Jericho Omega, which a lot of other people were higher on than me, which is like a WWE style, like, you know, 30 minute plunder match when this was really just like a just this hate filled, like disgusting just brawl, like more like old school. And I've heard and I heard Skyler before compared to like a lucha brawl. So um, this was this was fucking awesome. I love that match. Uh, seventh, again, a very similar theme. The best of Super Junior Block B uh, from May 22nd at Corican, El Desperado and Hiromu Takahashi. They just destroyed each other in that match. And again, you could like just feel the hatred coming off your screen. Um, sixth, I have the Champion Carnival Block A, Shuji Shikawa and Shingo Takagi. Um, I saw a few people on Twitter just say this match sucked because it was uh, it was like ultimate like fighting spirit kind of thing, but. You know, I love all that shit. I can't help it. And it really was like the two of them just no selling everything and 
uh, by the end of it. Like, and just as someone also who's watched Dragon Gate for so long and seen Shingo manhandle all these little boys, basically, just seeing him be like the the small underdog against Shuji was really, really fun for me. So I thought that was an awesome one. That's from April 29th. Uh, fifth, they have Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi against the Young Bucks. Um, this was the only match on this list that I was there live for. You know, just it was really. I I honestly feel like it, it was better live than it was on tape because um, on tape maybe they kind of hammed it up a little bit too much with the facials and stuff. But when you were there live, it really gave you that feeling of a a really classic, outstanding match, and really made that that trip feel worth it. So um, I have that in fifth. Fourth, I have the IWGP title match, Okada Omega 4. Um, I thought the two out of three fall stipulation really helped it instead of hurting it, as a lot of people thought it would going in. I thought they were able to tell a really concise story um, and really, like, as far as having each fall be its own story, I thought they did a really good job, and I liked it a lot better than... like To me, it's by far the best of their four matches. Uh, and then I have the champion carnival final, Miyahara and Marafuji in third. Um just, a, again, outstanding match. Very much like old-school strong style kind of stuff, but just Marafuji's selling in this match was just, like, next level. Uh, sec- number two is a match I just watched today, actually, which was the uh, Big Japan Deathmatch title match, uh, Masashi Takeda and Asami Kodaka. I just thought an incredible 20-minute, like, in a lot of ways, it was a very... They almost did, like, all these New Japan counters and stuff, but, like, while just drenched in their own blood and just, like you know, suffering from massive blood loss. And the fact that they did all of that crap and kept it together, you know, at the in 20 minutes of that, it, it was just an incredible match. Um, maybe my favorite death match ever. And I, I haven't seen that many of them, but like this, this is just an incredible, incredible match. And first I have the best of Super Junior Final, Hiromu and Taiji. Um, I don't know if anything's going to top this for me. If if something does, it's going to be, it's going to be difficult. I just thought it was like the perfect mix of like, um, you know, a crazy spot fest, but still, still have like a story to tell there with Hiromu. Um, you know, finally getting back to the top of the mountain, and you know, having to go back to the the time bomb when the D would get it done. And I just thought they had they had one of those matches that went thirty plus minutes that felt like it went fifteen, which to me is the is the ultimate compliment for a match that long. Uh, Skyler, what do you have for match of the year? Uh, I also have ten. I'll go through them pretty quick because a lot of them have been covered uh, by everyone. Uh, my 10 is the tactile match from DDT Judgment. Higuchi and Sakamoto uh, versus Hiroshima and Marafuji. Just a very underrated match. Uh, not sure why some people seem to not like it that much. but um, I, I thought it was good. Was yeah, I, I, I really liked it. I love Higuchi. I'm like a huge Higuchi mark and him getting like this big sort of featured role in this match was awesome. Uh, my number nine is Shingo versus Shuji Shikawa. Uh, just like an awesome, like <laughs> it is like a super fighting spirit match where Shuji just has to throw like everything possible at Shingo to put him down. And it rolls. Um, number eight is another all Japan. Uh, Marafuji versus Miyahara, the first one, um, which I, I like the second one a lot, but, um, but the, f- the first one is awesome. Um, my seventh is Soberano Jr. versus Barbaro Cavanario, which is just a, uh, <laughs> uh, it, I mean, it's two of the best, like, young guys in Lucha right now. 
and Kevin Aria is just like an awesome heel in it. So Verano is like one of the more, probably the most beloved young guy among the CMLL crowds who usually hate young guys and hate baby faces. Um, and it, you pretty much know where it's going because Cavernario is like winning and only wins one at the second fall by DQ. And he's like ripping the mask. And he's like being super brutal. So you know what's going to happen in the third fall, like Sobrano's comeback, but it still just like totally works. Um, number six is Almost versus Black, which I talked about already. Um, number five is Daisuke Sasaki versus Shuji Shikawa. It's basically like an ECW match. <laughs> Yeah, held in, right. Held in Japan, where it's like unprotected chair shots and all this crazy stuff. Even like I love like the laydown tease in the beginning. Yeah, it's like there's like a lot of story. There's it's a lot great. of psychology. It's awesome that he lay he they did the laydown tease and then Daisuke won anyway. Like that yeah. was about that to me is the best part of it. Yeah, and it's just like putting two of the best wrestlers in your company like in this match where they wouldn't normally face each other was like part of the reason why Grand Prix worked so well for me because it created all these like unique matchups. Um, and then number four is Hiromu versus Taiji Ishimori. Rules, super good match. Um, I would probably say the best Hiromu match post excursion. Um, I mean, just like the platonic idea of like what he does, which is just like be a madman, be but like you root for him a lot and all this other stuff. And not to take anything away for Ishimori, but that was like. Hiromu's like everything that's good about him came through in that match. Uh, number three is Gargano versus Almas, which will be a big match of the year list match, I think, for a lot of people. But uh, that's also just like Gargano's like top baby face mode where he's like the most valiant, the most underdog. It's like uh, <laughs> Almas at his best heel work. That's awesome. Uh, number two is the AAA six man from April that everyone, I feel like people are finally talking about it. People talked about it like a week ago. People started hitting the gifts, um, but I'm not going to do the names. I'm not Chris Zellner. I can't pronounce names with flair. So I'm not going to do the white person pronunciation of all these Spanish names, but it's awesome. Um, it's, it's like all those PWG six mans that people are like, man, these are so good. This is like if those were actually good. Um, so it's like it's it's like the match to show your friends who haven't watched wrestling before, like what's awesome about wrestling. Um, so, yeah. And then my number one is Hiroki Goto versus Minoru Suzuki, which is another match that people seem to have forgotten about. But um just like being there live and be, having the atmosphere, like Minoru Suzuki walking out and just like the mutual respect between the two guys, like after the match, it's a shame that you don't get Goto performances like this all the time, because in this role, like he can be so good. Um, I mean, you don't get Minoru Suzuki performances like this that often either. Um, but yeah, for like just one night, like on a big stage, like they just told like a simple logical story that you could see coming from a mile away, but just everything works, everything clicks. It's one of the most like brutal matches in New Japan this year in terms of like the yeah, some of like the really, really tough spots, some of like the really crazy strikes. Uh and I love it. All right. Uh Taylor, what do you have for match of the year? So I have ten as well. Uh my number ten is Arisa Nakajima versus Ayako Hamada versus Misaki Ohata. 
Uh, the uh, Catch the Wave uh, decision match, I think is what they called it, from Pro Wrestling Wave uh, in April. Sadly, a match, if you haven't seen it yet, you will never see it. Uh, <laughs> it has been scrubbed from existence, so sorry about that. Uh, number nine, also from Wave, is Masaki Ohada versus Arisa Nakajima from February. Um, uh, another great match. I talked about their feud before, but just two people who wrestle like they are fighting for their lives. And I just thought it was an incredible match. Uh, eight is Kano versus Kaito Kiyomiya from Noah. Uh, I talked about that match on one of my previous appearances on this show and raved about it. Um, number seven uh, from CMLL just a, a few weeks ago or a week ago. Uh, from June 22nd, L.A. Park versus Rush, uh, the battle that they had. I loved it. Uh, just an all-out war. Anything they could use, they used. Ended in total, you know, schmaz fashion, but it totally worked, um, and I loved it. Uh, number six is the Young Bucks versus Rapongi 3K from New Beginning, uh, a match I think a lot of people liked, but I loved the match. Uh, loved, as I said, when we talked about the feuds, loved the story, loved the action. Uh, number five, Okada versus Omega from Dominion. A great match, uh, great callbacks, everything like that's been covered. Uh, number four, Okada versus Tanahashi. Okada versus Tanahashi will probably exist for the rest of my life as my favorite wrestling feud of all time. Um, and I love... I don't know. Is this the final chapter? Maybe not. Probably not. But I love that. Write the G1, buddy. That's true. The G1. <laughs> uh, but I just love that every time the callbacks, I mean, obviously they're two great wrestlers, so it's going to be good. But just the extra layers just put every, almost, I think every match, uh, except for one Okada Tanahashi match I've watched, uh, I've given five stars. So no surprise, this one gets five stars too. Number three, uh, Mochizuki versus KZ. <laughs> Open the Dreamgate title match from February. Um, a match I loved. And if you watch this match, pay attention to the woman sitting in the front row on the hard camera who loses her mind for like the whole second half of the match. And uh, I fell in love with that woman and I love the match. Uh, number two, Almas versus Gargano. Ben covered. Great match. Uh, Gargano, who is from Cleveland. I'm from Cleveland, so I grew up watching Gargano. So I have a, a big-time connection to him, and I love his underdog story, and I love the match. And number one, I was there live. Young Bucks versus Golden Lovers from Strong Style Evolved in March. Just loved the comp the combination of the story the action is everything i love in wrestling obviously being there live helped uh loved going to long beach and everything so that probably influences uh my opinion but it's my number one match of the year uh great match all right uh we're down to brass tacks here only got two awards left but let's quickly do worst match of the year if anyone has picks for this emily do you have anything for worst match of the year Worst match of the year, um, I guess when I see a bad wrestling match, I don't rem just don't remember it as much as the really good ones. Um, there were a lot of bad ones on the build to Fastlane, um, especially in the men's division on SmackDown. Uh, there were a lot of run-ins 
that would just like kill whatever had happened earlier in the match. Like sometimes it would be technically good. And then just like two run-ins would happen and it would be so dumb. Those were like the most depressing matches of the year to me. Also, cause I was reviewing SmackDown for part of that time. So I would have to like take notes on them and it would be like, here's all this good stuff. Oh, cool. And then just write down dumb stuff that happened. Um, or maybe that one at Supercard where it was like cheeseburger versus mystery. No, it was like cheeseburger and this other ROH guy versus the dogs. And then Bully Ray came in. Um, I, that was like a match that turned into a segment that 